All right, everybody, welcome back. This is part two of our extra stuffed weekend. Double fudge. <laughs> and in this part of our weekend, we went to Netflix. Uh, we haven't been to Netflix in a minute, but in this case, we had to. We couldn't not cover this film, uh, especially because we totally spaced and forgot to last week. <laughs> um, but the feature film adaptation, it's not quite the right word, continuation, let's say, for lack of a better term, uh, finally came out. Uh, it's been long gestated within Nickelodeon, and they decided to sell it to Netflix for God knows why, but thank goodness they did. We have the feature film of Invader Zim, Enter the Florpus. The film was written and directed by Johan Vasquez, the guy who created the original show and wrote most of the episodes, uh, not quite all of them, but uh, all the original cast came back. Uh, Richard Steven Horvitz, uh, Nick, uh, Ricky Simmons, uh, Andy Berman, uh, Melissa Fan, to name a few. Uh, Johan also did a couple voices uh, himself. Uh, he did Zem's computer, which I thought's worth noting because Zem's computer was a lot more sassy in this film. Um, yeah, way more sassy. Uh, among other things, uh, but yeah, I knowing that this has been in the works for as many years as we've known about it, um, it's been like what, like two or three years? I've, or if you... I didn't know this was in development until the trailer came out. Oh, seriously? Yeah. I heard in July or June when that trailer came out is when I found out this was in development. I did not know if an Invader Zim thing was coming. I feel like it was two years ago they first dropped like a teaser with just the title on it, but like it was still mostly in development. Like they just wanted to throw the announcement out there that Nick was trying to do something with Zim again, but then it just kind of went the the trail went cold for a while, and then. They announced that Netflix was buying it, and then a little bit after that, the teaser came out again, and then just out of the blue, just the actual trailer, it's coming out in two weeks. I was like, oh, oh, snap. Like, yeah. So um, we just did bad, bad planning. We should have covered it last week, but we're covering it now. And uh, as objectively as I could review this, being a big fan of Invader Zim, like back in the day, like that was definitely one of the my well, our favorite cartoons. Um, we quote it to each other all the time. Uh, <laughs> Especially senior year when we didn't care. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm gonna... we're out of we're out of here at the end of this year. Who cares? Girl, you may explode now. Finally! Woo! <laughs> <laughs> I'm running! I'm running! I have a large classic poop. Uh, this this was basically just Joan Vasquez didn't miss a beat. It really felt like it came back exactly to the same world and the same characters and the same everything. Like there there is a change in the animation. It looks a little bit brighter, but it within the first minute us like they nailed this. No, they stayed true to the animation. Obviously, I Whatever company it looks brighter. Whatever. It just looks it looks it doesn't look as dark. Yeah. And that's okay because it's not really all that distracting after the first like two minutes. Yeah, the the shading because of, they pull off the atmosphere so much. In terms of like the details, it still looks just as 
weird and, and greasy. Uh, <laughs> it looks yeah, everything is just, just as grimy or and dark and twisted. I mean, to an extent, a kids show would go, but like it's aesthetically, it's still the same show with slight color differences, and it's in HD now. The old show wasn't in HD because it came out in two thousand four. <laughs> but <laughs> HD didn't exist. <laughs> yeah, uh, but like the. The background characters all are various degrees of, like, creepy and weird. Um, all the original characters still look exactly the same. Uh, the humor is still exactly the same. Like, um, I love the, I thought I could trust sharks. I thought they were my best friend. But now I know. Yeah, just the, off, just the off-handed weird little, little tangents are, like, when the little kid's just I, like, my, that's, my mom, that's my mom's pizza sticker. She loves pizza. <laughs> and then Minnie Moose takes this. That or when Mem- Membrane kind of steals the show of this, but when Membrane's like, Membrane's like, I am I am the most excited to debut this for you. I'm more excited. Not scientifically possible. <laughs> I hope you love this meal. Also, what is love? <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know if we're... Uh, I don't know if it's kind of obvious. We're just going to jump right into spoiler territory. Um, full pan with sprinkles for me. Um, it's just, as objectively, as again, as I could say it, I still think this film works really, really, really well. You're going to get way more out of it if you watch the show, but, like, if you just happen to stumble upon this, you're going to laugh. Like, yeah. if, if this is something that uh, that you're into, I hate, I hate that phrase. Well, if you're into it, you're going to like it, but... Um, it, it, it does not disappoint, and it is not pandering in any way. Yeah. It really it really feels like they just ten years later someone went, continue it, and they're like, All right, here's the stream of consciousness we were on at this point. Yeah. It's that's probably it's the... not it's not a tribute, it's not a satire, it is what they were doing when it got cancelled. It's not somebody else trying to rehash and do try to pretend that they were a part of the staff before, it's... like but, it's not a member berries thing. It's, member, member invaded him. Member when he took all those organs out of children and put them in his body when he had head pigeons. Remember the diet <laughs> classic Doctor Poop. Remember when Gur wanted tacos. Remember the giant hall pass that was just a radiator. Remember the teacher had locusts play whenever she spoke. Remember that squirrel that was over there? And before the Big Bang, there was nothing! Remember that squirrel that we saw? He was eating like this. Remember that chubby lady that was hiding in the bushes? That was me! (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god, okay. Uh, Yeah, you're obviously going to get more out of this if you're as big of Invader Zim film as we were, but... um, God, I can't remember where... Oh, I was gonna say it's not like <laughs> it's not like Community season four when um, uh, what's his face uh, got fired, and so they had Jim diff- Chase. Uh, well, no, that he wasn't the showrunner. Uh, Dan Harmon. It's not like when Dan Harmon got fired, but they still brought in people to pretend that they were Dan Harmon, and it really didn't work. Yeah. Um. So thank God Johan was allowed to come back and Remember do this. Remember when Dan Harmon was here? <laughs> Remember when Dan Harmon pissed off? Chevy Chase so much he quit community. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, well, frankly, he probably just told Chevy Chase, "Hey, can you try acting a little different?" Chevy Chase is like, "I will kill you." Yeah. Um, anyway, I'm, I'm sprinkles. You're sprinkles, right? 
<laughs> when this movie ended, my text message to Dan was Sprinkles AF. Yeah. I think I think you were on the phone with on the phone or something through a chunk of this movie when I was texting you quotes and you just all of a sudden started quoting the movie back. God, I loved this movie. Um, it's like we said, it feels like they just 10 years later got the okay to start to just start doing what they were doing again. It's it's honestly kind of inspiring um, to see someone be able to take that long of a hiatus from what they were doing. And then someone goes, hey, we're giving you a platform to do it again. And he's like, oh, this is what we were doing. And he doesn't miss a beat. Yeah, like, it seems obvious that they kind of knew that this was kind of like a one-off, like, more or less a series finale. Since they didn't really get a series finale, I, it just kind of ended. I, I I understand that this can act as a season or as a series finale, but God, I hope Netflix can somehow get the okay to start this series again. It'd be interesting. And give us, because I know they typically cancel th things after like three seasons. Give me three more seasons of content of this. Yeah, I, I mean, they don't really do that much. Uh... Although, although I, I, I wish it could be like so. It could be what Zim was doing between the end of the show and this, but the problem is they're just like, "What were you doing?" I was sitting in the toilet. <laughs> like this, this like, had more. That's it. I I think it's funny that multiple like. Dib in the beginning of this movie really seems like they're making fun of Invader Zim fans that just wouldn't move on from the fact that the show got canceled and just sat in front of their computer screens <laughs> waiting for some new Zim thing to show up. And then it just shows up. And they're like, what were you doing? Nothing. I didn't think, I actually didn't think that deeply like that. That's actually really brilliant. I didn't, I didn't, and I wasn't trying to read too much into it. I was like, huh, that feels like they're kind of poking fun at people that wouldn't move on from the fact the show ended. Like, it just, it felt that natural to me. That's actually a really brilliant read into that. Uh, I I kind of just took it at face value. It's just like, okay, we're coming back, and they're not saying how many years it's been. Like, it's just been a long time, which... I thought they said it was 10 years. No, it's just been a long time since Zim oh. showed up. Like, for some reason, Zim just disappeared, and so Dib's been waiting however just long. Just sitting in front of his computer watching the cameras he has set up for his for Zim's house. Having his butt mold into the chair and <laughs> and then in Invader Zim fashion just Oh, he's right there. What? He's doing <laughs> I, well, I, no 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 Gaz Gaz has the funniest thing of you need to move on. He just left. He's not here anymore. You need to move on with your life. Oh he's on his front lawn. <laughs> <laughs> and he's doing stretches you only do stretches like that if you're up to something evil. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I love when Zim sees him for the first time. <laughs> ah! Wait, can you move away, troll? I'm waiting for Dib. I. I am Dib. <laughs> <laughs> I've been waiting for you. Well, yeah, clearly you put up sprinklers. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I love. <laughs> and then Gur. Uh, before if we go to, like, real plot breakdown, like, Gurr, I'm so happy Gurr actually got some good one-liners in this. Like, I, I, that was something I was genuinely that worried. That was my biggest worry, is that Gurr, because Gurr, Gurr was, like, because of this movie, I, 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 for a long time, I wanted to watch the series again, but I didn't know it was streaming anywhere. And then I watched this movie, and I was like, you know what? 
I'm going to check Just Watch and see if it's streaming anywhere. And I got on Just Watch, and it said it's streaming on Hulu. And I was like, are you kidding me? So I started watching the series again. And Gurr is so vital to this series, to that TV show working. And I was like, man, I, I've watched it after seeing the movie. But I remember thinking when I saw the trailer, I was like, I hope Gurr gets a good one-liners. And then I didn't, and until seeing this movie and then watching the series again, I didn't realize how important it is for Gurr to work. Because if he doesn't work, he's Jar Jar Binks. Yeah, I, I was worried if, like, how involved he was going to be in, but Johan remembered that Gurr works best when he's just on the sidelines. Like, they didn't bog him down or, like, force any plot to, like, go through him. They just, like, in just in normal Gurr fashion, he's just the derpy sidekick. Like... Like, my favorite thing with him was, like, um, when they go back into the house after he tells Dib that he's going to start phase two, and he's just like, I can't remember what he said to Gurr, and Gurr's just like, yes, sir! And he, like, runs to the couch and, like, trips on the way over. (laughs) (laughs) It falls over. (laughs) That was probably my favorite. Um, Either that or um, when he's, (laughs) again, right at the very beginning, when he's just like, I ain't a baby there. (laughs) Yeah. When he shoots the pug into space, why did you do that? I locked that pug. <laughs> no, it was I shot that pug. I shot that puppy into space. I thought you liked that pug. <laughs> I do. It's just why does he shoot? Like, are they trying to like flex in front of Dib? I think that's... and then he's and then he just like loads a pug into his head and rockets him into space after eating what was it a thunder machine or a fog machine like yeah <laughs> <laughs> um the uh... but i i did like that you know it it basically is just zim is like all right we got to start phase 2 and zim finally figures out that the tallest don't like him and just send him away to leave him alone. Yeah, that's what I was alluding to before, that there's, like, so many things in this story that Invader Zim kind of co- does some callbacks, but they don't really rely on, like, narrative continuity that heavily, so they could just kind of write it off as just, like, a one-off thing and do more. But yeah. so much of this just felt like finality, like Zim realizing that the tallest don't that's, care about and that's, him. And that's what I meant by I, I this feels so final. Yeah, but I really wish I could get three more seasons of this. Yeah, and like tax ship and the fact that the uh, the tallest finally do show up like near the, Earth. The vampire bees. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, the kind of arc that like Dib and Gaz like teaming up again is um, just further developing like them like getting to work together. Um, <laughs> Their dad still won't acknowledge that that it's scientific that this alien exists because he does. <laughs> At the end of the film, it's like, oh, wow, you had that same crazy dream I did. No, Dad, it was real! Like... Membrane yeah. <laughs> uh, steals the show in this, too. I don't remember him having as many memorable moments in the TV show. Was Membrane like in the, the TV? The shark, the shark's line. Yeah, he was. I watched, uh, I watched, like I said, I watched some episodes this week. He's in the show. He has some funny lines, but not nearly as funny as this, like... Like I said, the shark thing. I thought sharks were my friends, and I thought I could trust them. But now I know. And he pulls off a glove to his arm, and it's a robot arm. Yeah, that was a reveal that I was... I couldn't remember if that was in the show. I was just like, oh, that's kind of a really dramatic reveal. (laughs) And then the, not scientifically possible moment. Yeah, no, 
every time he freaks out a little bit, like, or, like, gets overly excited about something, they do, like, super dramatic, like, thunderbolt and lightning. Like, keeping that yeah. continuity real was uh, was cool. Um, what did I you... liked. I liked when they're, like, you picked at the end. He's, like, you picked up that the clone is not your real dad. No, you told me the moment you put him in my house. <laughs> what did you think of, like, what ended up becoming a phase two? Like, I, dude, I love that whole setup that, like, I thought it was brilliant. Yeah, I like. I did not call that. I, I was like, oh, he he like he just doesn't care. Like, when he's like, don't care. It, I was like, oh well, he he he's checked out. He doesn't care anymore. And then, uh, they just he's like, just kidding. I was using it so that I could. Uh, I knew your feeble human mind would take pity on me, so I was trying to get this and then it's he just moves earth in the way of the armada because the armada doesn't turn they just go straight and i love the one guy that's like we could miss the florvis if we just turn left or right and the one guy just goes what's your deal man <laughs> <laughs> like they don't turn why because they just don't I love just little things like that. Like, there's so... That's one thing about Invader Zim that, like, so many little supporting characters get these amazing one-liners. Like... Inva Invader Zim is where the mentality of so many people our age got the... Why? Because F you. That's why. <laughs> or, like, um... Like, uh... The neighbors where it's just like, Oh! oh Martha! The, the neighbor boy's an alien! And he puts his... the eyes back on. <laughs> Oh wait, never mind. And she's just like in the window, like okay, like. <laughs> um, I'm trying to remember. I missed. I I missed the pizza pig thing. I forgot it was in the show, and they played it. And I was like, that was in the show. Yeah, Floaty's Pizza. That was one of the creepiest episodes when uh. We got this pizza. It's like ten pizzas. <laughs> Come on in and eat. It's great, saying. Just go bye-bye, pizza! Like, it, sounds, it sounds like he's having a heart attack from eating his own pizza as he's trying to sell his pizza. Well, yeah, Bloaty's, like, I remember in the episode, like, when he goes back into the back office and he takes off the costume, and it's like a girdle, and he just explodes even bigger. Like, <laughs> I forgot about that, yeah. I love the callback to Bloaty's pizza. <laughs> I wish there would have been a head pigeons callback. I wish the... Uh, Miss Bitters wasn't it? it did, was Miss Bitters in this? Can you remind me who Miss Bitters is? It's that's the teacher. Yes, she was. Remind me, like I it's I watched this like the opening anime thing she was in, and I I feel like she was in another part of this. It's been a couple days since I watched this. I'm trying to remember like all the really like. I don't think they could make this movie without her being in it. So I'm pretty sure she was. I think she was in the part where the world was about to be destroyed possibly i just can't remember her specific line like i remember big big character moments in this like i remember when um the whole like the whole standoff at the end where uh they had to ask the robot like um where they were trying to get the robot to end up helping them you remember the part i'm talking about like which robot the robot chef thing yeah the the standoff with the it was the big moment where like the robot like uh I can't remember the exact lines anymore. God, I should have watched this yesterday. It's been like five days since I, I watched know. this. I know. I should have rewatched this yesterday or this morning. Yeah. Because I watched it a week ago today. Yeah, I same. After it was, 
<laughs> it was actually before. I was so excited. I was like, I'll watch it later this week. I was so excited. I was like, I have to watch it tonight. Yeah, no, literally, it was before we taped last week's episode when I watched it, and I didn't find time to watch it again. <laughs> Even though this movie is really short, like, it's only 70 minutes long. It's 70 minutes, yeah. It, it plays like they just put three TV episodes uh, without commercials in it, and they're just like, all right, this is it. Like, it's that quick. But yeah, like, it's not like tack the destroyer like it's it feels pretty cinematic for the most part like the plan yeah. itself like um it kind of it kind of reminded me of us a little bit where uh making the i mean they're not making the florpus ring to teleport earth somewhere else in us but like that idea of like all their hands leaking together but then zim took it over to make that gel make the portal yeah. like that was a really cool idea like um, I actually, isn't it, wasn't something in Rick and Morty also called, called the Florpus? I have not seen that entire series, so I don't know. I could have swore the Florpus was the name of something in Rick and Morty, just like, um, can you guys actually use that word? The thing that's funny is that show, Invader Zim, I think heavily influenced Rick and Morty into existence, and then Rick and Morty's popularity probably influence this movie into existing i wouldn't be surprised if it had a little bit to do with it i think back to the future had a little bit more to do with that show with i mean or at least the dynamics of those characters but i wouldn't be surprised like if maybe through some sort of osmosis like there is a little bit of similarities like in sense of humor with it like uh like this this show invader zim when I started, when I watched this movie, and then I watched the show again, this some of the show again this week, I was like, I it just blows my mind how this show was never a, uh, a Adult Swim Cartoon Network show. It just blows my mind. This ended up as a kids show, with episodes, new episodes premiering at times where kids could watch it, on a on the Ultimate Kids Network. I was like, what? How? Well, that was, what happened in the late 90s and early 1000s for Nickelodeon and Cartoon Network was pretty astounding that, like, the checks and balances as to, like, what they would think would, would and wouldn't be appropriate for children is so vastly different than what it is now. Like, yeah. the fact that we got to watch, like, on Nickelodeon, we got a good variety of, like... Um, Nickelodeon, we had a show, we had an episode of this show where Zim is afraid he won't be considered human when he goes to the nurse. So he invents a machine to suck out organs from other kids and then he just swallows them. Yeah, just like a big... That is nightmare fuel. Um, there was all... But, like, uh, I'm trying to think. The, the the germ episode? Yeah, the germ episode. Um, one of my favorites. Uh, the room with a moose! <laughs> and the whole episode is just them going down that tunnel where when they get to the end of that tunnel... They're gonna get eaten by a moose. Yeah. <laughs> um, there. Uh, I'm trying to think of like an actual like creepy, creepy episode. Um, well, there's the one that supposedly got it canceled, where something about like Gur was covered in blood. Oh, bloody Gur! No, that's. Uh, I can't recall the details of it, but like there was a rumor that like in certain episodes, like Johan snuck in a single frame of Gur covered in blood in one episode or one or two episodes. Um, I don't think that's why they got canceled, but, um, 
Oh, the episode where Zim has the giant zit and he uses it to hypnotize people. Yeah. <laughs> Look into Pastulio. <laughs> um, I think my favorite. I like the one. I like uh, one of my favorites that I I rediscovered watching the show this week is the student teacher conference one, where Gur is supposed to have them watch like stupid sappy like sitcoms and things like that, and then Gur just gets bored and turns on violent TV. And his parents, his parents start getting like super violent, and then like the commercials are like, "I have diarrhea." <laughs> Honey, what's wrong? It's happening. Oh no, is it? Yep. Diarrhea. But no, no, no. <laughs> but no, it's not diarrhea. He like. He's talking to his robot wife, and then he just, like, slams, zooms his face into some other guy's face, and he goes, diarrhea. <laughs> it's like if me and you were walking down the street, and I said something to you about, like, I have, I think I have, and then just turned to someone next to me that doesn't have anything to do with our conversation, got six centimeters from their face, made the most disturbing, creepy face ever, and said, diarrhea. They would have fear diarrhea in their pants at that moment. Yeah. <laughs> My favorite episode was, um, and still is, uh, uh, Gurr makes waffles. My favorite is that the one where he takes over the house. No, um, or no, Zim, that's my favorite. No, Zim, Zim eats waffles. Um, it's the episode where Dib is spying on Zim, just waiting for him to do something, kind of like in this movie, but like uh, in the episode, nothing happens. He ends up watching just Zim and Gurr eating breakfast. And then, like, whenever something happens, he would call uh, Agent Dark Booty. And when Dark Booty would see it, it's just them eating waffles again. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> all the, it's only because, like, I mean, that just, that the way that all plays out, where it's just, like, he never gets them on the phone at the right time. But my favorite lines in the series are in it, where it's just like, uh, no, girl, I don't want to eat waffles. And then... Gur starts crying, and then he's like, fine! And he eats one. Hey, these aren't bad. What's in them? There's... I don't know. No, it's a... Hey, that's not bad. What's in them? There's peanuts and soap in them. (laughs) (laughs) I forgot about that. That's that's hands down my favorite line that Gur ever said in the show. Do you remember when we were in high school, and I had my Android phone, and I downloaded a Gur soundboard, and we would sit... We were we would do group work and econ and me and you would always pair up together and we would always get it done in like two minutes compared to the ten minutes we were supposed to have to work on it. So we would just play with that soundboard for the rest of the time. God, Gers Gers one liners were so so funny. The <laughs> we take Ger, reporting for duty. Ger, what does that stand for? I don't know. <laughs> he starts punching himself in the skull. Because <laughs> all the all the other robots are supposed to be sirs. Yeah, and they have red eyes, and they're actually like tactical yeah, they're like and smart. Slave something robot, and Gur just is like Gur reporting for duty. Well, they take out his like they take out parts brain of... and just throw junk in his head. Yeah, like a paperclip and some gum and like three rubber bands. <laughs> Where's the GPS? Well, I took that out. Why? Make room for the cupcake. 
<laughs> that episode's hysterical. Yeah. Um, oh, man. We've we've talked about this for half an hour, and maybe, like, ten minutes of this has been about the movie. Like, <laughs> Look, I love this movie. It encapsulates the series so well. It It, it is the series. It's... It's the perfect continuation to what it was. Yeah. And fr- and frankly, you know, I what I want to do is I want to binge watch the entire series and then watch the movie in one day. That's what I want to do the next time I have free time, but that's very rare nowadays. Yeah. I I love that this movie again, I think it works beautifully as a finale. Like it gets a it, it gets to have this arc where with Dib and his dad you get to see Zim, like, finally reach the peak of, like, his mission. His throne with flames. Oh, my God. When he's on the top and, and he's... And he pushes... He's like, push the flame button. And he pushes <laughs> it and peanuts start shooting out of it. And Kirk goes, oh, push the peanuts button. Why is there a peanuts button? And he pushes it and it starts shooting flaming peanuts up into the air. <laughs> my God, that's so funny. Where are my flames? I can't have a giant throwing without flames. <laughs> oh, push the peanut button. <laughs> oh, no, I do remember another part that made me laugh a lot. Um, as it's slowly trickling back into me. Again, sorry, guys, we watched this a week ago. Um, uh, when, Dib is, when Dib walks outside and he sees that he's turned into, like, this Tim Cook of the, the bracelets. And uh, it's just like, Zim, what is, what? Zim, what? <laughs> that I was crying. It's not even that like smart of a joke. It was so. It just kept going and going. The what? Zim. But what? he doesn't keep. He doesn't wait for him to finish talking. He, like he interrupts him too. He's like, Zim, what is going on? What? Zim, what is going on? What? Sorry, Dave. I can't. What? Is, what? Sorry, Dave. I can't is, hear you. I'm sorry, I can't hear you. And I love that he's like, like this. With the, to me, the funniest part of that scene isn't the what, isn't even the what part. It's he, it's when he's watching the speech. He goes, wait, that looks really familiar. And he just sticks his head out, and it's right next door to his house. Yeah. <laughs> I love also that like it kind of satirizes the the consumerism where it's just like, and these bracelets come in three colors, and they're all just like, ah! like they all freak out. <laughs> I love that. Ugh. Those... God, I love this movie. Yeah, I love. I love that the the tallest are still so passive, even though. What did you What did you like better? Did you like this or did you like, uh, um, Ready or Not better? I think I like Ready or Not better. Like I will, I will say that, and it's probably because it surprised me more. Yeah, this to me was just kind of cathartic, and just in the sense of just like, oh my God, I finally have some invaders in back in my life. Like yeah. More yeah. so than, like, that's why it's hard for me to, like, tell the people, like, you've got to watch this. Like, because, like, it's really, if you're a fan of the show, that's really the only reason you should watch this, honestly. Like, but I can't. Or if you like comedy and you're a sane human being. <laughs> I, <laughs> it's hard for me to say objectively, like, as a movie, like, there's many people that would enjoy this. Kind of like, kind of like how I enjoyed Draft Day, but. Being such a big NFL fan, it was hard for me to look at that outside of like being an NFL fan. Like, yeah. Because maybe, because maybe we should watch that for the time machine and and we'll realize like, oh, Kevin Costner actually kind of sucks in this. Like, 
Kevin Costner's just sitting there watching a documentary about Mongolians. <laughs> and they're like, shouldn't you be drafting people? And he's like, something about dogs. <laughs> I've watched a documentary about Mongolians. And they've what? Been... <laughs> God. I, I honestly like... What? <laughs> I think we should... What? I'm tapped out if you... I'm sorry, it's hard to hear you. <laughs> I've kind of tapped out of thoughts on this, honestly. Like, I don't think we... I, I got it's nothing not else. It's not because it's bad. I love this movie. Yeah, I mean, there's there's no reason. Like, we kind of already did a plot breakdown. I mean, Zim gets to... Zim's it's been a 70-minute movie. It's hard... Honestly, it's a 70-minute movie. We've been talking about it for close to 35 minutes. Yeah. Dude, it's hard. It, it's it's a summary that's half as long as the movie. Yeah. Or our review's half as long as this movie. Like. But then again, we did talk about the show for most of it, but... Yeah, but, dude, it's, yeah. But, yeah, I mean, again, like, I guess it's it's hard for me to, like, I mean, there's no reason for us to do a whole breakdown like we've done before. Like, this was, that's kind of the whole purpose of this movie was for the fans. Like, the fact that Netflix was willing to, like, buy this from Nick to give it to the fans. And, like, again, like I said, I'm giving it sprinkles, but that's more the fact that, like, this filled the Zim-sized void in my heart that's been missing since 2006 when the show went off the air. And just... I've had more, f- I think, I'm glad we didn't just do our normal thing with this, because I feel like we wouldn't have had as much fun if we, like, methodically broke down the narrative themes and, like, dude, it's an Invader Zim. It's, it's Invader Zim. It's just Zim. stupid and loud, and it's the perfect stupid and loud thing that we needed. It's another, it's a, it's a childish cartoon that Nick and I should not it, like as much as we it, do. It influenced us way too much as kids. Yeah, this. Dan, Dan and I barely. Around that time, we were in middle school, and I think I knew Dan just as, like, Dan existed, and we didn't really <laughs> get along. <laughs> we, did, we, were, we got along in high school, but we didn't really start getting along until, like, junior and uh, senior year, and once we did, we talked about this show constantly. Oh, yeah. So it is huge for us. Oh, yeah. I actually, um, I actually almost, uh, almost dated. I wouldn't say we dated. Uh, but I bonded with a girl um, that I met. Uh, I won't go into the whole story, but like I almost I almost got to start dating this girl because of like bonding over like Invader Zim. Uh, but I'll, I'll, that would have been a very loud relationship. I'll tell you off mic how the rest of it went, but because it's not worth getting into here. But um, it wasn't. It was you and your things you think you can bond over bond over with with women. It's not as this... it's not as it's not as bad as like the clockwork. Clockwork Orange story. Um, no, it's not because this is actually funny and entertaining. Well, uh, well, well. No, I'll say this. <laughs> I'll say this on Mike. Um, this girl that we bonded over Invader Zim with, uh, she actually took me to my first Rocky Horror Picture Show uh, screening. It wasn't. Uh, it wasn't the first time I saw the movie, but like it was the first like actual uh, live showing like screening of it. Yeah, it was the first in like. I mean, I'm sure you know with Rocky Horror Picture Shows, they're always a big extravaganza with like. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's more of like the the act of what happens rather than the movie of those things. The the interactivity, the shout outs, all that. Like I'd never been to one of those before, but I really wanted to. But I went with this girl, um, and it was it was a lot of fun. But uh, but yeah, not to uh, not to go too too far off topic when people are already probably just like, wow. Nicole's gonna love this review. Yeah. <laughs> 
I wonder how many people have skipped this review just like, oh my god, these guys are just geeking out for 30 minutes. Like, <laughs> <laughs> And you know what I have to say to those people? What? <laughs> uh, uh, I don't know about you, but I think it's time for us to get into the time machine and go to 1994. Yeah. All right. So yeah, uh, with that, we will take a very, very brief break. And then Nick and I will be back to talk about the Brandon Lee film, The Crow. Be right back. Cacao. All right, everybody, welcome back. We have just landed in 1994 in our time machine, and we're here to watch the film The Crow. The film was directed by Alex uh, Proyas. Uh, sorry if that's the that's the best way I can pronounce your name, sir. Um, this guy uh, is primarily known uh, for directing this film along with Dark City, iRobot, and Knowing. And he has... I don't know if he's been banished from Hollywood since his last film, but he took seven years in between Knowing and his last film, and his last film was Gods of Egypt, which, if... Excuse me. If, oh, yeah, if you remember no. that film, that was... I never saw it. I just remember the trailers, and I was like, this looks like the biggest steaming pile of crap to come out in five years. Yeah, that movie flatlined critically and at the box office uh, pretty spectacularly in 2016. Um, but knowing, actually... Is it Gerard Butler in that? Um, no, I think Worthington is. Oh. Um Oh, Nikolai Coster-Waldo from uh, Game of Thrones. Oh, and Gerard Butler. Okay, yeah, you're right. Um, it was the two of them. But, uh, yeah, he hasn't made a movie since. Um, but uh, Knowing was pretty good. I actually, uh, Six Degrees and Nick Cage, I actually thought that was a really good Nick Cage film. Nicholas Cage. He actually doesn't go that over the top in that film. He plays Who that... Who could have Nicholas Cage played in Zim? In, in what? Invader Zim. Uh, the... What if Nicolas Cage was Gurr? No, that Gurr was perfect. I'll he... take a die. I'll take a classic Doctor Pooh, please. He could have played. Um, he could have played Dib's father. I think he would have been good as the scientist. Or Gaz. Or maybe the tallest. Why Gaz? <laughs> Dib, take a shower. Take a shower. <laughs> um. God. Okay. Let's stay on topic. <laughs> We're talking about the crow. This film uh, was written by uh, David Chow um, and John Shirley, uh, based on the James O'Barr comic strip and book series. Uh, and the most notable actor in this film is uh, Brandon Lee. And oh, my God, I don't know if we want to talk about the film first or some of the trivia with this, because there's kind of a huge elephant in the room, um, assuming you did Nicolas Cage wasn't cast as the elephant in the room. It's a little, a little more serious than that. Um, assuming you didn't do the, the research. Oh, dude, yeah, I know. Okay, you do know what happened with this. Yeah, I, I found out years ago. Yeah. Okay, I didn't know until. And I kept trying. I was sitting there and I was like, "Well, it makes sense that he would have got shot watching all this." I, yeah, I didn't know the trivia about this until I, um, until I read about it for for this show. So I was hoping you didn't know, but I mean, it's kind of a big deal. Oh, no, I, I'd heard it before. Yeah, it's a, it's obviously a big enough deal. I would I would have been more surprised if you didn't hear about it. But um, 
I have to screw it. So yeah, why not? Let's just get the elephant out of the way. Um, this is the only notable film of Brandon Lee's career because he died in the middle of filming this movie. Um, there were three days left of shooting. Uh, like they did do a majority of the film, but there were still a couple specific scenes that needed to be filmed still. Um, I got the list up here. Um, uh, the, according to IMDb, these scenes had to be filmed after Lee's death. Um, uh, Draven first enters the apartment after digging himself up out of the grave. Uh, footage of Lee walking through the alley in the rain uh, was digitally uh, composed into where he walks through the doorway. Um, and then a, uh, a shot of Draven falling from the window was made by uh, putting his face on uh, a body double, which... It's pretty amazing that they could do that digitally in 94. Mm -hmm. um, a scene where Draven uh, puts on his makeup was filmed using a double. Um, the face the face in the smashed mirror was Lee's. Uh, and the com uh, computer altered to fit in the shards. Uh, the image of uh, Draven walking towards the window with the crow in his shoulder uh, was a double with uh, Lee's face added during the lighting flashes or the lightning flashes. And then uh, when Sarah visits the apartment, uh, we never see Draven's face as it was a double. So, I mean, not that many scenes, but um, still kind of important, obviously, with Brandon being in the front and center of it. But um, but no, I, I don't know if you remember, like, the breakdown of what happened to cause this problem. Wasn't it something like a gun had actual ammunition in it instead of blanks or something? Sort of. What happened was um, there was a scene that they were filming before that required the six shooter to have the real bullets like be prominent like in frame. So what the props guys did was just take out the gunpowder of real bullets and then put the bullet back into the cap. So um, they filmed the scene and they fired one of them and for whatever reason, and the bullet ended up being stuck in the barrel. So, for some reason, the actual arms coordinator wasn't on set at this point of the day. He left early for whichever reason. So, just a general props assistant, when he swapped out all the bullets for the blanks, which have gunpowder for, like, the flash, yeah, the effect... Yeah, fire the projectile. Yeah, there was enough force within, cause, just because it still has gunpowder, um, that that was enough to push the actual bullet out of the barrel and shoot and end up killing Brandon. He didn't die on set, but when people realized that Brandon somehow got shot, he got rushed to the hospital, and six hours of surgery later, he ends up dying uh, on the surgical table and just... Oh my god, what a tragedy, dude. Uh, the actor that actually shot him uh, went on a... He went on a sabbatical, um, Michael uh, Massey. He took a break for filming for, like, close to, if not over a year because he was just so traumatized by just killing his co-star. Just It was deemed an accident by negligence, so nobody, like, went to jail or anything. It so should not be the actor's fault. <laughs> No, like, 
I don't believe anybody ended up going to jail because it was deemed an accident by negligence. I didn't see any, like, any follow-up as to, like, if any of the prop guys, like, actually had to go to jail or anything. But, yeah, it was deemed an accident by negligence. And uh, just, man, I, I mean, I, I didn't, like, particularly love any of the acting in the film, but Brandon was so committed to this role. He was the best actor in the film. And I could see a promising future for him if this didn't happen. Like, it's a shame. Like, and he's uh, Bruce Lee's son, and Bruce Lee died the way that, the tragic way that he did. And um, so now Brandon died too. Like, it's just a shame, like, that this happened. Like, I, I was just blown away while I was reading this. But even on top of that, like, so many things happened on set also. Like, um, there were electricians that uh, got electrocuted by lightning on set one day. Um, some disgruntled... Um, I can't remember his exact position. Uh, some disgruntled, like, carpenter, I believe. Someone in the union just drove his car through one of the... Uh, just drove his car through set and destroyed um, part of the set. Um, just, my God, um, there was a storm that damaged a lot of the set once. Like, something was trying to make this film not completed. Just, the crow. somebody, some entity did not want this movie done. And, uh, and obviously well, the- Well, what happened was, is someone got married and then they didn't kill them in a sacrifice after playing hide and seek. I, Yeah basically like (laughs) um man it's amazing this got done like the financiers pulled out initially um so then miramax stepped in and still believed that the film could be done so they financed the rest of the filming and the distribution and i mean the film made its money back and um it's got a famous soundtrack like um i mean i don't know if you noticed like how heavy this movie was with like 90s like uh, I think wasn't Pearl Jam in the soundtrack or I think yeah yeah a lot of like notable like wow they actually had to pay money for these these songs like <laughs> uh, for this movie but um but yeah I mean just getting to the film itself just getting all that out of the way I think the film itself is pretty good like it's kind of amazing like uh in its own right not just in the like it's not like Justice League where it's just like watchable and just kind of okay. Like I think this is I think this still ended up being a genuinely really good movie. Like um I'm just going to go full pan. I'm not going to give it any sprinkles, but I think this is a pretty well constructed origin story. Like I think it's I think it does a good job of like establishing establishing the tragedy like outright like right in the beginning. Um and then it does. It's it's kind of a no nonsense like uh, way the rest of the film plays out. Like it's just a tragic revenge story. Like, and I guess it kind of leaves the door open for a sequel. Like, I mean, I, I don't know where it would go from there. Like, because this was pretty straight. Zombies. Because <laughs> this was pretty straightforward. Like, um, in terms of like where we are now with superhero films, I do want to talk about that after your thoughts on it. Like how this compares to other superhero films we've we see now like in the landscapes changed so much like uh i thought like i said i thought brandon was really good but i kind of just 
not that I think it's bad that like the all the mobsters, whatever the gang, whatever, like they're just kind of underdeveloped, just like hinchling morons. Like there's nothing really to them other than drinking bullets with their whiskey. <laughs> um, they don't really have any personality outside of the guy with a bunch of knives. I, I loved after that scene too. The waitress comes over and she's like, "Guys, can you please put your guns away?" She doesn't even say it with that kind of an inflection. She's just like, "Guys." Can we tone it down a little bit, maybe? Like, no, shut up, sweetie, kiss me. Like, um, they're just, they're just kind of whatever. Um, the they're the bad guys from uh, Death Sentence. They had, they had more development than these guys did. I mean, like, just barely. But um, the uh, the little girl that he and his fiance were babysitting, she's. she's well, isn't that the one lady's sister? The Fiance's sister? No, because the officer said, hey, little girl, I'm sorry about your sister. And she says, no, that's not my sister. That's just, she just watches over me with her fiance. Is she going to be okay? And then he's like, that's all I can tell you right now. And she just is just like, you're lying. I know you're lying. Just like you're lying and not telling me that he's dead. Like, I... I, I, I can I feel bad about that just empathetically, but just like she's really bad. <laughs> I really don't like her. She her delivery is really bad, and the officers just okay. I don't have any of their names up here. I mean, I don't really. Uh, it's kind of whatever. I just got the trivia up here, but um, I don't know. Outside of Brandon, the acting's just not that great. Um, I do think the action is pretty decent. I'm not trying to to knock it down just for, like, its time, but, like, I think the action is pretty well staged, given, like, just how kind of gritty and, like, physical it is. There's not really anything that supernatural about it outside of Brandon can disappear on a whim, um, <laughs> which is kind of surprising, given, like, it's somebody brought back from the dead, and all he does is just punch and shoot people. <laughs> um, but... I still think this is a pretty good film overall still. Like, it's just kind of... I kind of bought into it. Like, it was just how gritty and nasty this is, like, uh, narratively. I like the whole... It's just a revenge. Kind of not John Wick, but in that same realm of just, like, you kill my something I love, I'm gonna... I'm gonna F you up and destroy everybody that you know. Like, um... And then, sure, I mean, I kind of wish it kind of got more into, like, a supernatural element of it. Like, I was, again, I was a little surprised it didn't. Um, and then, like I said, mo all the acting outside of Brandon's pretty bad. Like, the, the the ringleader that looked like a vampire with, like, the that super long hair. Like, there's nothing really interesting about him, but I'm not asking. But I, I think it would have made the movie worse if we got bogged down with more exposition from him. So, I mean, I, I'm, I'm still giving this a pan. A solid pan for me. I, I enjoyed this more than the complaints I had. Like, they don't outweigh how much I did enjoy what I enjoyed with this film. Uh, I'd give it a half pan. It's it's all right. There's some times where it really feels like it drags. Um, and it's funny because I was like, oh, nice miniature work. And then they kept showing it, and I was like, uh, do you guys know I can tell that's miniatures? Um, I mean, it was all right. Nothing really kind of blew me away in the movie. I, I liked the kind of 
dark. I, the thing that worked for me was the darkness of the movie, um, and I, I, I the not philosophical stuff, but kind of just like the bleak outlook on life of a guy that was murdered and his fiance was taken from him the night before their wedding. On uh, a, it, on Halloween, just to yeah, just to kind of hammer but it then home. It, but then it's hokey of the all the incorporation of Halloween and stuff like that. I was like, man, this feels really childish. So it's it's half pan. It, what works works. What doesn't work really doesn't work. I I can I kind of get it, but I like with the it's kind of like a little on the nose. Just like this guy's got super long black hair and he dresses up in all black and there's a crow and it's on Halloween and like. It works enough for me. I kind of, I kind of bought into it. Like it's, yeah, it's a little hokey, but I, I still think it's kind of cool. Like, I also kind of like that he's not so super jacked. Like he's still like, I mean he's he's fit, but like when they announced that Jason, he's Momoa, not Nicolas Cage. <laughs> Nick Cage rocks the dad bod, bro. What are you talking about? Nick Cage in this movie would have been amazing. No, oh my god, that would have made this movie so stupid. Honestly. <laughs> Uh, yeah, but Nick I Cage, loved it. Nick Cage as maybe the ringleader, where he could rock that wig and like, <laughs> maybe that would have been cool. But I Nick got... Cage as the crow. Eh, eh. Nick Cage as the girl that was being babysat. That would have, uh, he would have had more range than she did. Good lord. One thing I didn't understand understand throughout the entire movie is I didn't understand why that one cop kept helping him. I think he kind of understood the bigger picture of him not really. He could do things that the cops couldn't, so he could just kind of turn a blind eye to it while still being a cop, obviously. But he sees he sees the good and like what he's going to do with getting these gangs off the street. What like, if Nick Cage was the cop? But then this cast wouldn't be diverse at all, and that's not okay, even in 1994. That's not okay. It'd still have Brandon Lee. True. That that that's true. Yeah. Uh, but no. Back to what I was saying with um, um, when they announced that Jason Momoa was going to be the crow in a remake, that's since fallen apart now. Oh, uh, thank God. I, that sounds like a terrible idea. No, I, I'm not. Co- not the not the remake. Not the remake. Jason Momoa as the crow. Yeah, I don't like that casting. He's too. I don't. I wouldn't like that at all. Like, he's too big. Like, it's a petty. It, it, it's a kind of petty, but like, I like that the crow was a little scrawnier. It wasn't this like, really like, standout guy. Like, there's nothing like. He's not every man because like he's a martial arts expert like his dad, but like, he's not this big imposing dude like that like. Like in his personality, like it would have been so distracting like to have a. Excuse me, it would be distracting to have, like, a big star. Like, I kind of like that it was, like, all that was famous about him at the time is just, like, he's Bruce Lee's son. And, like, there wasn't any big financing behind this. Like, I like how low-key and indie this felt. Like, how this kind of felt like an outlier. Like, uh, just this weird little indie experiment that, like, yeah, it came from a property. But, like, I don't know anybody that, like, considers The Crow, like top tier like higher than like b or c level like comic book material like did you did you even know the crow was based on a comic uh yes but i was told it like years ago when everyone was when the crow kind of got its cult following a couple years ago everyone's like 
oh, if you like the Dark Knight trilogy, the crow, the crow, the crow, the crow, the crow, the crow. I was like, all right, cool, dude. Like, it took over pop culture in terms of, like, every, every, like, thing online was talking about the crow, it seemed like, for a year. Yeah. So that's how I found out stuff about the movie. Like, that's how I found out that Brandon Lee was, uh, uh, say, Bruce Lee's kid. Yeah, Bruce Lee's kid. And it's how I found out he died and stuff like that. Yeah, I... Man, I Thanks still... what, culture? Man, I still kind of... watch Mojo or whatever. I still kind of wish that, like, I got to surprise you with that. But again, I mean, yeah, it's... it's I a... liked, it's... I liked that when you said you're like, ooh, I've got a crazy surprise about this movie for you. And I was like, is it that it's Bruce Lee's kid? Damn it! Well, in hindsight, I guess I should have asked, like... Okay, do you know anything else about this guy? Just to like, oh, okay, he probably does. But um, I'm I'm actually looking up now, like, who even distributed the comics, and it's from probably Dark Horse. No, Caliber Image and IDW are the publishers. So I guess either like at some point, all three of them had a hand in distributing this. I'm kind of surprised it's not Dark Horse either. Um, but yeah, the uh, um. What's it, what was it like for you watching this? Like, did it make you think of other, like, this was pre, obviously pre-Golden Age of comics. Like, this was a, even a lot of years before, um, before Blade and X-Men. Like, do you think it this... Reminded, it reminded me of uh, Batman 1989 without being as artistic. Like... It didn't seem like they were trying to stylize everything so much as uh, Burton did, Tim Burton, but it seemed to get that dark relatability that Batman 89 got a lot. Well, yeah, Bat- Batman, Tim Burton just kind of owned the visual aesthetic of it without really, like, going too deeply into, like, any kind of, like, psychological trauma and, like, uh, anything as deep as obviously like Chris Nolan did, like uh, the social structure and status quo and uh, things like that. But, um, or at least to my recollection, it didn't try to go as deep as like that. But like the crow, I can't, I would love to know if there was another comic film before this that did straight up just like have a assault and murder and like as bleakly as this film was like i spit on your grave that wasn't a comic book though was it oh no sorry i thought you meant movie oh no 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 i know oh i know there's a lot of uh i know i know i spit on your grave and then like there's been other movies where assault was like a a part of it but like i can't imagine like any comic book film wanting to go to the places that this film did where it's just so uh it's all based on revenge from like one of the worst things imaginable happening and um it's i don't know like i kind of i would love a remake of this like in this kind of day and age but only as long as like it could still just be its own thing like it's it's hard for me to imagine with like the franchising like it ended up working well because like i mean even if hellboy was a good movie and actually worked like I can't imagine that, like, Lionsgate wouldn't have looked at that and, like, tried to do something off, 
try to do something more with it. Like, try to use that as, like, their stepping stone into something else. Like, I don't want, like, franchising with this. Like, I would lo I would only want this to be remade if it was going to be its own thing. You know what I'm trying to say? Like, Yeah. Like, if it didn't look like it was blending into everything else. Yeah, just keep it, like, like what Hellboy was trying to do was, like, it's being its own thing. It's not worried about, like, trying to, like, franchise build or anything like that. Like, but be good, wherein Hellboy was pretty atrocious. <laughs> yeah. Um, but no, I just, um, I'm trying to think the, uh... Oh, one thing I didn't like about the film, though, that I didn't mention at the top was, um... I kind of was annoyed by the frenetic editing. <laughs> like... Yeah, but that that kind of screamed mid to late 90s. Like, that style just was popular. Yeah, I'm not saying it wasn't. Like, even in the early thousands, like, um, I'm thinking... I can think of, like, um, early thousands TV did that with, like, flash cutting. Oh, my God, so much. I am so glad we've grown... Speaking of, speaking of Nicolas Cage stuff, didn't Ghost Rider 2 do that? Where they like would flash and it was it was like sped up film and then they'd flash again and it was back to like regular speed. I haven't seen Ghost Rider two. Uh, you're missing out. I've there, I think I've seen it once. If not, I've seen video clips talking about why it's stupid, but I think I've seen it once. No, there. I mean, there's just hundreds of things in general that like love the the time warping speed with flash cuts like i'm so glad we've grown out of that for the most part because that drives me up a wall like i kind of yeah. get it that they only used it for like the flashbacks where like he's like gaining his consciousness back and like starting to remember what happened and like uh thinking whatever he thought about uh, his fiance like it's just it's just a thing that i personally don't like at all yeah <laughs> that's an, but again like it's it's still i still think it's enjoyable enough like um it's not the worst acting. The editing is isolated strictly to the flashbacks. And then outside of that, like, I think the action still kind of holds up. Like, when he attacks the knife guy, I thought it was pretty cool. I like the shootout in the compound when he finds... Uh, I liked the uh, the pawn shop scene. I thought it was pretty good. Oh, the pawn shop was like, awesome. I, I, li yeah. I liked that when he found the ring, he knew. Like, you're, like as much as the... Uh, as much as a woman loves her engagement ring, every man remembers exactly what the ring looks like that they proposed with. Yeah. You're going to give... No. You're going to open, and you're going to give me my ring. <laughs> well, I, the other thing, too, I liked was when he started... Th like like I said, some of the... Some of the... Like, the darkness and a lot of kind of, like, the... Not ramblings, but, like, the, the speeches that he gave. Like, when he uh, goes through all those rings and he walks back out and he's like each one of those represents a life a life and a relationship that you ended and profited off of. And I was like, yeah, you jerk. You're horrible. You should die. <laughs> yeah, just for being a, a, a low-level pawn shopper, like, was he the... Burn it to the ground. Devil's, Devil's Advocate, he didn't make all those people get divorces. Yeah, but he knew that those people were robbing and killing people. Yeah. Yeah, no, I'm just, yeah, well... I, maybe not, maybe he didn't know about the rape, but he did know they were robbing and killing people and taking their jewelry. Yeah, no, it, it's strictly in, the, strictly in this film, yeah, he was profiting off all those, these gangs that apparently just rule this city, like... Yeah. 
Like, this city's so terrible that, like, there's no sense of government or law enforcement at all. Outside of the, yeah. outside of the one good cop, like... <laughs> yeah. Outside of the one cop we see that's a good guy. Yeah. I was just, uh, I just meant that, like, I was just imagining just, like, if this was just a random pawn shop and the guy wasn't in with the gangsters. Just, like... I just run a pawn shop, dude. What are you talking about? Like, <laughs> I liked, I liked the, do I smell gas? I was like, shoot the gun, and he shoots it, and everything catches on fire. And I was like, yeah. I was, <laughs> I was amazed the guy got out of there. Like, I thought he was gonna actually like blow him up. Yeah, and I, I like that the actor is like the stereotypical like Italian New York actor that shows up when you're like, hey, we need a stereotypical New York Italian. It's this guy. Oh my god, I've met so many people up here with, with that exact accent. Like, hey, Bozo, can you read the sign? We're closed! Like, <laughs> ugh. Um, what was uh, some other things that kind of stood out to you? I mean, like, I know you don't like this movie, I mean, as much as I do. But, I mean, not trying to, don't read into that that much. I don't love this movie, but... <laughs> what, what, was there anything else that, like, really stood out to you as, like, something that was kind of cool? Like, given, like, how old this movie was, or, like something that was uh impressive the uh, like i said the miniatures i really liked I, I mean i'll give it the benefit of the doubt that you know it's as old as it is so maybe that's why i could tell they were miniatures so well but i, I thought the mo the work on the miniature models was really good yeah i did too like it didn't even bother like it had a lot of really good small details in it yeah i i don't miss miniatures but i kind of wish that there was I don't know. I kind of like if I kind of like. What if the Fast and the Furious was filmed with miniatures and they used like Hot Wheels for their stunts? Oh my god, that would be really funny. Like <laughs> a seven-year-old made the movie. I kind of like when they get to um, touch up miniatures of CG, kind of like uh, the the Lord of the Rings, where they would build all those gigantic buildings, but then like film them with a green screen, so like to help enhance and like sell the the largeness of it. Like obviously this movie didn't have that much money, but. I did kind of like all those shots with the crow flying around, even though it's super obvious that the crow's composited into it, but... Yeah. Um, it's amazing to me that, like, that crow could... I mean, hasn't... I've seen worse CGI, I, I, I like that it was, like, his radar, too. Yeah, but that's part of what I was, like... I kind of wanted some more spiritual stuff out of it, outside of the girl just, like, giving a bunch of exposition narration. Like, I kind of wish, like... Maybe they were trying to save it for the sequels, but, like, I kind of want more about, like, what's he going to do now? Like, or how... Are there other demons? Are there, like... I want a little bit more world-building for, like... Um, just, again, within its own thing. Like, and... Uh, it'd be... It's in, I would definitely want to read more into like where does he go from here like because i think this this is a pretty cool setup for an interesting character like you you just kept playing a guns and roses song in your head you're like where do we go where do we go now where do we go oh wow wow i was kind of surprised that uh hold on i want to pull up the whole soundtrack like with um it needed metallica uh hold on who all was in this uh because this was a surprise. This was a very '90s soundtrack, but not distractingly in a way that like I actually kind of like. It wasn't like Britney Spears and NSYNC. Yeah, I like the sound. It's like '90s rock. Yeah, uh, this had the Cure, 
uh, Machines of Loving Grace, Stone Temple Pilots, uh, Trent Reznor, uh, Rage Against the Machine, Violent uh, Femmes, or Violent, I don't know how to say that. Violent Femmes. Violent Films, thank you. Uh, Pantera. <gasps> I love Pantera. Uh, Je- oh yeah, Pantera was in this, I forgot about that. Jesus and Mary Chain. Um... My Life with the Thrill Kill Cult. I don't know the rest of these bands. Um, Medicine. But yeah, no, this was a pretty good... If you were going to collect 90s, like, heavy rock or metal bands just to keep going with the aesthetic, like, this was a pretty good collection. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, it's definitely... The soundtrack definitely ages better, too. I mean, maybe just because I like rock, but... This aged better than... Yeah, none of that pop garbage. This age better than, like, from Justin to Kelly or the Hackers soundtrack. Oh, Jesus Christ. This is so much better than Hackers. Didn't they come out the same year? Hackers was 96, so it was a little, oh. so it was a little after this. What this movie pulls off with its atmosphere kind of feels like what Hackers was going for, too. Well, Hackers was trying to dramatize a specific subculture in a specific time. And, I mean, to its credit, sure... I mean, reincarnated zombie people is a subculture. <laughs> True. I that's why I was saying though, like I got, I got what it was trying to do, so I didn't dock it that hard in that regard. It's just as a movie, the acting was terrible and the dialogue was terrible, but it's a cool. And computers don't work that way. Yeah, uh, yeah, but they could take advantage of people not knowing what a computer was, like because like we talked about last week, we didn't get computers until the early thousands, like five plus years after yeah. that movie came out so that they could get away with my blt drive like this film i'm so glad doesn't feel dated at all it just feels like a really ambitious attempt to tell a dark superhero story like this kind of makes me want to watch blade like just to kind of appreciate more where we are now just like this this movie feels like if they could have gotten more backing for it it would have been more similar to blade possibly i could see that yeah like and maybe they... like it didn't have to be so kind of grindhousey and grimy I, yeah it, it's but i kind of like that though like i, I i'm not saying I'm that's compl- bad i'm just saying it feels like if it got more backing it would be more like blade yeah was yeah it could have added that supernatural out more of the supernatural element to it that i keep complaining that is absent even though it still kind of works as like zombie john wick um <laughs> i uh no. I would have really loved it if he actually was a zombie and like started eating people's brains. <laughs> he's he's got the coordination to like beat people up, but then once the guy's down, uh, brain time. Like, <laughs> you know, some of those gang members probably ended up on that plane in Con Air with Nicolas Cage. Uh, maybe I didn't. Yeah. Well, Cyrus the Virus was also in uh was in the Crow, connected universe. <laughs> if John Malkovich was, wow, that uh, that'd be hilarious. I'd be surprised if at that time he did a movie. The movies as small. Well, no, there, no, he would have had to play a British guy because if he's not, well, no, not just not even that. He's a character actor. I just, I always think of John Malkovich. Malkovich is like a very astute British actor, but then I remember he does silly movies like Con Air and Burn After Reading and uh, Rounders. Like, <laughs> yeah. Um. Uh, no, I'm just, uh, I don't know, I'm, I'm kind of drawing a blank. I mean, there's not really much other trivia with this film besides the, the fact that the set was almost destroyed a couple times. and uh... I, 
And obviously, that's well, the thing is without, and I feel really bad, kind of harping on it for this. This feels a lot like this movie might have been closer to forgotten had Brandon Lee not died in it. Yeah, maybe. But then we're opening that can of worms of like, if Heath Ledger didn't die, we would still love the Dark Knight as much. Like, yeah, because th- the first time I saw the Dark Knight, I didn't know Heath Ledger was dead. Dude, seriously? Yeah. Dang, I thought that made more. Yeah, I thought that I, made I was, more like general. Dude, news. it was it was it was like two years in it was like two years in high school when it came out before I really got into movies. Oh. The first time I saw it, so. I just knew Batman movie and I watched it. And then a couple, like maybe a couple months later, I found out Heath Ledger was dead. And I was like, Whoa, really? Oh, and you wouldn't have watched the Oscars to, um, to see him posthumously win the award. I wouldn't have watched him now. <laughs> <laughs> well, come February, we'll see. We're, we're not going to, I'm sorry, man. If there's some kind of hockey game on that night and you're like, we got to watch the Oscars. I'm like, I mean, it's like the, it's midway through February blues game man like i gotta watch it does, does hockey what, it does it how's it how's it impact how's it it's super impactful for the blues i mean it's not there's still a lot of time it's midway through the season but hockey <laughs> you don't want to have an oscar party <gasps> we could have an oscar party yeah oscar party dude we could invite oscar from the office over he'd be like who are you guys and we're like get it if, if, if you have his number <laughs> everyone has his number all you gotta do is contact the congressman <laughs> uh, um, he's shown up in some things too like he's he's in like state farm commercials now or something I'm like why are you in these I, I can see his face I honestly don't remember his name though I think his name is Oscar I think that's the actor's name I think he was one of the actors in the office that they just used his actual first name well, they did that with a lot of them. They did that with Phil. Like, they did that with Phyllis. Like Phyllis and, uh, is Phyllis. Yeah. Uh, Creed Bratton is his name. Yeah. No, they did that with a lot of the like supporting characters. Yeah. Uh, and then the um, the head writer of the show was actually the the guy in HR. Like that was the head writer of the show. Yeah. Yeah. Which is f- I, which I find awesome because he's constantly getting crapped on. It's like, do you just hate yourself? <laughs> But those are some of the and best is shows. And this, is this some kind of weird kink for you where you just get off on people recording you being put down? Because <laughs> if so, cool. <laughs> uh, he probably loved it. Um, but since this is turning into an office podcast, I mean, do you have any other th- thoughts on The Crow? Uh, I'm Like I said, I'm all tapped out. No! 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 Please, God, no! 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 <laughs> well with that um let's get back in the time machine and let people know what we got coming up next week all right everybody that is it for another Double Stuffed Weekend here on Brownie Points. Double Stuffed. (laughs) Luckily, next week, we finally get to take a little bit of a break. We're only going to be watching two movies along with our... And to take advantage of it, we're going on vacation. Yeah, we have our own kind of vacation plans going as well. So it's kind of nice to only have to worry about two movies. Um, 
one theatrical, one time machine, and then whatever ends up happening for the editorial segment. Um, the only movie that we're going to be seeing in theaters next week is Don't Let Go, starring David Oyeleo. Um, it is the film where he has to figure out what happened to, or who murdered his niece and uh, brother and his wife through a phone call connection that he has to his niece, who is alive two weeks in the past. Uh, if that sounds like Frequency, it's kind of ripping off Frequency. Um, <laughs> but it looks really good. It's from uh, Bloomhouse. And also, if you didn't know this movie's coming out, we don't blame you because it's not really been advertised that much. Yeah, this movie is coming out through... Um, I, I've gotten the trailer once two weeks ago, and then a couple times I've seen it on TV. I've had it a handful of times, but not that many times. I know the first time I saw it was less than a month ago. So, I mean, going through Bloomhouse, I mean, obviously that's not that big of a budget, uh, i.e. Ma. Um, but, I mean, still, I'm surprised the marketing campaign's not been more for it. But, um, yeah, that's the only film we're going to watch. Um, the other movie that came out, um, we're hopefully we'll be able to squeeze it in. I mean, obviously, like, before it's been a death sentence for movies if we – ended up skipping them because we still have not seen the kitchen and Nick has still not seen uh Midsummer or Aladdin or <laughs> Arctic. Yeah, or Arctic. So You know, a movie from the first podcast, it still hasn't made its way to Lafayette. Yeah. Um but hopefully we will I, I'm gonna really, really try for us to see official secrets with Kira Knightley. Um I don't want us to let go of that film at all. But um yeah, there's not going to be a review of that from us next week. It's only going to be Don't Let Go. Uh, and then, Nick, it's your pick for the time machine. Where are we going to go? We are going to go back. We are going to see another Kevin Costner film, this one from 1988. We're going to go to see Bull Durham. Nice. I was curious if you had the year up. I was pulling it up as you spoke. <laughs> I kind of made that longer than I wanted it to be just so I could get it pulled up for the year. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited for this. I've um, I've I've heard about this among the other Kevin Costner baseball films because um, he's made quite a lot of them. I haven't seen this one. I I know of it, but I haven't seen it. So it'll be nice to knock this off my secret shame list of films I've never seen before. Um, I've never seen it all the way through. Uh, I think I've seen it all the way through, like pieced together, but I've never like sat down and watched the whole thing. Yeah, I just know my parents love this film. This is def this is up there as one of their favorite films um, from what I can remember. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, I'm always down for Kevin Costner. I mean, generally, I really like his work outside of Racing in the Rain. <laughs> but um, <laughs> but yeah, that's um, that's what we that's all we got coming for you. What, what if in this movie they walk in on like a rain delay and they're like, "What are you watching?" Like, "Oh, it's this documentary about Mongolians." <laughs> and what they think about dogs and he's like you don't say and he like writes a note down and they just tucks in his pocket and they get and then it turns back into a baseball film like <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that'd be some awesome foreshadowing that'd be terrifying like he's been planning this stupid movie since 88 if <laughs> 30 years later it's my time to shine like <laughs> but instead of it being about baseball he made it about racing he's like i'm gonna throw him off a bit yeah <laughs> um yeah, like I was saying, that's all we got coming up for you next week. Uh, Nick, you want to tell everybody where they can reach us on social media? No. But we do have big news. We have an Instagram now. 
We're finally on the ground. We finally are not 75 years old. We actually got a social media that the kids use. We're on Instagram. It is brownie underscore points underscore cinema. I wanted it to be similar to the Twitter handle, but that one actually was already taken. Don't hate me. Hate the game. Uh, We also have a Twitter at brownie underscore cinema and then a Facebook page, Brownie Points Guide to Cinema. All the profile pictures on those are the show logo, the bowl of popcorn with a brownie in it. Um, We also have a Gmail where you can send us uh, emails about what you want us to talk about op-eds you'd like, time machines you'd like us to do, movies you want us to try and make sure we go see, or you can even talk to us. Uh, the only people that have emailed us on there uh, are YouTube telling us we have copyright strikes and uh, <laughs> Dropbox telling me that there's a new sign in every 15 minutes when Dan has to edit something. Uh, <laughs> so please email us there, uh, cinema at gmail.com. And once again, we just want to make sure you guys know, because it's not been said enough, we are no longer doing YouTube, um, so don't look for the episodes to be uploaded to there. Um, and we do not, at the time, currently have a plan to revisit YouTube. Yeah, so if you know anybody that <laughs> was primarily listening to us on YouTube and was just like, eh. All three of them. Yeah. Hey, I haven't heard from I haven't heard from Dan in a while. Like, and Nick, I haven't, I haven't heard from the guys. What's going on? No, we didn't finish the series with the, the episode with the farewell. We're obviously still primarily on... We should probably make a status post on there and be like, hey, we're not doing this anymore. If, for the three people that were there. <laughs> but yeah, we um, uh, we are just strictly a podcast now in that sense. Um, we are on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Anchor.com. Uh, just spread the word. Leave us a review Give us a star rating, uh, hopefully a positive one, because we want to help uh, climb those charts, because as far as I know, we're definitely not that high up on there yet. But uh, for those of you that do listen to us and give us feedback that you have, uh, just from the bottom of our hearts, thank you so much. This is yeah. this has been an awesome endeavor for us, and we, yeah, what we're, were you saying? We appreciate all the feedback, and we're, uh, we're going to try with Instagram. We're going to try and get a bigger following, but we're also going to try and see about uh, being a little more active on social media. Um, so look out for some more kind of questions posts. Um, there was one that I wanted to do this week, but Dan and I have both been incredibly busy. So the most I could do was make the Instagram. Yeah. Um, so look for more kind of interactive posts. Yeah. We're, that's, that's one of our goals is to obviously just get more on that for you guys. Like, uh, cause why not? I mean, we do this. Look, we do this for, for you. a post this week asking about uh, your theater experiences, kind of piggybacking off of our uh, list from last week of top movie theater experiences. Look for a post asking about that because we kind of want to hear from you guys about it because there's certain things that you just never know what's going to happen when you go out in public, especially to a movie theater where everyone of every every type of people goes. Yeah, if you got a wild story, like the wilder the better, man. Like or an awkward and story. And if it's if it's really good, I promise you, we will read it on air. Oh, of course. I I've wanted to read emails on the air. We just not to make us sound worse, but we just haven't had any really good stories to read. Um, <laughs> so send us some cool stories, like or uh, give us some recommendations, and we'll talk about. Um, and we'll talk about it on air. We'll deliberate on air and let you know if we think your idea is amazing or not. Um. 
And that goes for you, Hayden Christensen. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, with that... Just a heads uh, up, Dan, no matter what, will not think it's a good idea if Hayden Christensen's in it. I don't hate him as a person. I just think he's a bad actor. Look, as much as I love Nicolas Cage, you hate Hayden Christensen. I don't hate him as much as you love Nick Cage. <laughs> You're... Uh, I was going to say, yeah, I don't think it's possible to love someone as uh, hate someone as much as I love Nick Cage. I love very... I hate very few things as much as you love Nick Cage. <laughs> But we're not. I'm not going to get into that right now. Uh, because we got sign off. That's uh, that's all we got for you this week. Uh, tune in next week. It's only going to be one episode. It's going to be shorter than usual, but it's going to be just as good. We are going to talk about Don't Let Go, and Bull Durham. We'll see you then. What? 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 It's hard to hear you all the way up here. Zim. What? Hey, these aren't bad. What's in them? There's... I don't know. No, it's a... Hey, that's not bad. What's in them? There's peanuts and soap in them. (laughs) (laughs) 